I always wanted the trophy. I always wanted the championship. And I didn't care about the physical. I just wanted you to know that I won. And that, that's kind of that mentality that I had. And, you know, it's funny, you know, in high school, I would win awards and I, you know, I wanted to win them because it meant that I was, you know, good. But I would get the award and just like throw it in the back of my car. You know, I, I didn't care about it. And even now, I want, I want the win. I want the rings. I want the championships. But as soon as I get it, it's on to how can I do it again? Jennifer King has always been an athlete. She's a type of athlete who plays to win. And when she's not winning games herself on the field, she's coaching winning teams from the sidelines. She's a type of coach who wins a national college championship and thinks, what's next? And she's a type of person who is willing to leave a comfortable job in college sports and take a leap of faith to intern in the National Football League. And y'all, taking that leap of faith, I can definitely relate. Leaving a comfortable job to pursue another passion, that's part of my story too. Back when I left the Met in 2018, it was all faith <laughs> and all leap. And so when I spoke to Jennifer, we talked about resisting the temptation to let fear hold us back. How the support from our squads, our crews, and of course, inspiration from trailblazing ancestors made it all possible. Because fun fact, Jennifer King is related to the Katherine Johnson. You know, the human computer herself. You know, NASA, getting people to the moon, hidden figures. But more on that in a bit. Right now, Jennifer King deserves your attention, please. I'm Jennifer King. I'm currently the assistant running backs coach for the Washington football team. Her bold ambitions have brought her where few women have ever been before, working to make her team the best it can be as the first Black woman to be a full-time coach in the NFL. Welcome to Your Attention, Please! the companion podcast to the Hulu series of the same name that introduces us to present-day makers of Black history. I'm your host, Kimberly Drew, a curator, writer, and co-editor of the anthology Black Futures. I love that all of the guests on this podcast are all so different, and every week I have the opportunity to talk with someone in a new field and learn about their world. On each episode, I sit down with one of 12 amazing Black innovators featured in your attention, please, this season. I get to delve into their stories. What drives them? How did they get started? What lessons have they learned? All while making Black history right now in the present. You know, the sounds of football, there's so many different sounds from the, the pads hitting each other and, the, you know, the communication going on between the offense and the defense. Oh man, I love football. Jennifer, hello, hello. I am so excited. Uh, uh, thanks for having me. It's gonna be fun. I wanna start with the basics. What makes you love football so much? And also, because what you love is also your job, how do you stay in love with the game? Yeah, I, I fell in love with football at a super, super young age. You know, we're talking four or five years old started watching football and as a four and five year old, I could sit and watch football instead of, you know, watching for a little bit and running around. I could just sit there and, and watch and, you know, that grew into having questions about what was going on and really understanding what was happening. So to be able to 
to have your passion be your job is super special. And, you know, I haven't had to fight, you know, staying in love with it just because, I mean, I get to wear sweats every day to work. You know, I work in the NFL. We work hard, but it's still football. It's still a game at the end of the day. And, um, you know, our organization has been great. Coach Rivera is great. It's easy to love it right now. My job is something that, you know, a lot of people would, would really love to have. So as a kid in middle school, high school, you played a bunch of different sports. Yeah, I, I love football, but I started playing basketball and softball and volleyball and doing other things as well. So, you know, those were the sports that I played on, on my school team. So I fell in love with them. Um, got was able to play basketball and softball in college and was, was loving it. You know, life was good. And, you know, I just always loved sports. I've always been around sports. Your love of sports led to jobs coaching college basketball at Greensboro College and Johnson and Wales. So my next question is, how did you end up coaching football with the NFL? Walk us through some of those steps. I was coaching college basketball. I was a head coach. Life was great. You know, I won a national championship. Everything's good. I'm on the trajectory to, to be a big-time basketball coach, and life was good and comfortable. And, you know, I got interest after I saw a friend get an opportunity in the NFL, and I started like, wow. Like, I think that's what I want to do. And I, I was able to meet Coach Rivera um, in Florida at the Women's Football Forum put on by the NFL. Coach Rivera was the coach of the Carolina Panthers at the time. And my office was literally next door <laughs> to their facility because I saw him all the time on the practice field when I would go into my office. But we built a relationship and he gave me an opportunity to go over to be with them for two days for the rookie minicamp following the draft that, that year. So I was excited. You know, I was going for two days just kind of get out there, show them, you know, who I was and that I was serious. And because I, I did that, two days turned into four months. So, but after those two days, I knew that's what I wanted to do. So in that period, I was kind of bouncing between basketball and football. But I think those two days showed me that, um, you know, football was where I wanted to be. So I just started getting ready and preparing myself for opportunities. And that's something that coach taught me as well, just be prepared. Um, and I started doing that. And when opportunity knocked, you know, I was ready. Shout out to preparedness. Right. <laughs> <laughs> when greatness meets opportunity, magic happens. It's so real. <laughs> no, no doubt. No doubt. I know that we've talked a bit about it, but I wonder, since it is so scary to change careers, period, <laughs> why did you do it? Right. Why did you decide to take that leap? <laughs> I mean, I, I think, you, you know, you... It was something that I've been preparing for, right? So, so when I got an opportunity to go out to Arizona to work, you know, I'd never been to Arizona, didn't know anything about Arizona. I didn't even know the guys I'd be working with other than the head coach because we had started talking on the phone. But you can't want something and then it you have an opportunity and you don't take it. You know, I think fear, fear hurts so many people's uh, dreams and opportunities when they don't realize that that, that, you know, that doubt later on will kill them. And I don't want to have any regrets. I don't want to have any doubt. Um, if I fell on my face, I would go back to basketball. That's kind of how I felt about it. That's what I did. I didn't feel like I would fall. I just kind of went and did it, and it worked out for me. Love to see it. <laughs> Love to see it. Keep <laughs> keep winning, literally. <laughs> I, I think a lot about that because um, there's so many moments where, of course, when you're working in the NFL or in these larger legacy institutions, there's ways that we can talk about the fear that you might have in your role, which I will not ask you because I don't think that's an interesting question. But I think what you're hinting at is so important in not letting yourself down because that fear, that doubt, that's yours, you know, and that's something that you'll hold on to for the rest of your life. And so it's really valuable and important, I think, for anyone listening to to hear what Jennifer is saying and and know that like at the end of the day, when you go to lay your head down, like 
who are you? Who are you to yourself? Everything to me, if anyone asks me, you know, should I do this? Or it's always yes, <laughs> you know, to me, you know, anytime someone comes to me and I think now a lot of my friends already know they're just, they want to hear it, but they know if they ask me advice on, on should they do something, it's always yes, because, you know, you can figure it out if it doesn't go well, but don't, don't have that opportunity pass you by because you're too afraid to try it. I love it. Always say yes. So I know that you have this personal mantra about being great. And I wonder if you could share that mantra with us and also how you came up with it. Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. <laughs> but the the mantra is essentially be so good that you can't be denied. And, you know, I got that from the actual movie, the Hidden Figures movie, um, just about the Black females who helped get NASA to the moon. And, you know, watching that movie, you know, they, their talents were so good that no matter, you know, whether they were women or that they were black, they needed them, you know, and they couldn't say no just because they were so good that they needed them to get to the moon. And I don't know, I was watching that movie, thinking about it. And then after the movie, I talked to my parents and comes to find out I'm like related to Katherine Johnson. I never knew this. They knew this, but never told me. So I, I was like, how do you not tell me this? But uh, I was related to her. So they kind of just reiterated my mindset and just kind of, you know, put an extra grind in me that, you know, I think I was kind of put here to do something greater. I am obsessed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No big deal. Just checking out, you know, the the family tree. That is incredible. Uh, Wow. That's so, that's so incredible. I love those like unexpected connections, those opportunities to look back at, yeah, the many people who helped to shape the world that we know. Can we talk a bit more about family? I know that in your film, you mentioned your mom was not too keen on you playing football. <laughs> but I wonder, at this stage, what kind of support do you have from family? Yeah, yeah mom's, mom's hated on me when I was a kid, man. She didn't want me to play football. But uh, now that I'm, you know, playing as an adult and, and coaching football, you know, they're great. They've always been great. You know, my parents have always been there. They've always encouraged me to try new things. And they always supported me. As long as I kept my grades up, you know, they would take me to as many practices as I wanted to go to. So shout out to them for that. And my support system has just always been good. You know, I have an older sister who's great. You know, everyone has supported me. And I think that helped a lot when I just walked away from basketball to football. Because obviously a lot of people thought I was crazy to walk away from this super comfortable job, kind of at the top of the totem pole, and then go to the bottom of the totem pole in a totally different sport. I just walked away. You know, I made that leap. And my family was always there to support me. You know, I didn't really you know, ask them what to do. I pretty much told them what I was doing. And I don't know how they felt on the inside, but on the outside, it was always love and support. So that, that's what I needed. And I was glad that they provided that for me. And, you know, I have a really good circle of friends as well. And, you know, all my friends are doing some great things in sport and outside of sport. So, um, you know, we kind of are who we hang with. So I got lucky to get into a good group. So we're all kind of pushing each other now to to really excel in life. I love it. In our last episode, we had an incredible conversation with Jazzy Ellis, who is a stunt performer. And a lot of the conversation was around care and safety. And I wonder for you, if you could talk to me a bit about, especially in in your work specifically, because of course, there's a larger conversation to be had in relationship to the game of football that is hard on the body. But how how do you take care of yourself and your players? What are some of the things that Beyond this importance on communication, what are some of the ways that you try to take care on the field and off? You know, it's kind of a village 
I know in our organization and all organizations, you know, you have your strength coaches, your nutritionists, um, you know, you have people, if people need to chat with someone about what's going on, you know, mentally, you know, all those things are there for them. And I think us as coaches, we just make sure, you know, they're okay. And if we need to guide them to one of them for extra attention, then we do that, you know, just to make sure. And that's, it's important to know your players and know your athletes. So when something's off, you know it. You know, you don't miss signs that something's not right with them. And um, a lot of times, sometimes dips in performances are caused by, you know, maybe they're not resting enough and they're not eating enough or they have something mentally going on that they need to speak to someone about. And, you know, us as coaches, it's important to recognize those things and kind of guide them in that right direction to make sure they're good to go. One of my favorite parts of your episode is a moment where you take a call with one of your players. So could you talk a bit, if you if you do remember keenly, who the player was that you called and what what you were talking about and and maybe those other instances when you check in with your players, what are some of the things that you're talking to them about in your day-to-day? Yeah, that was that was J.D. McKissick. He's one of our backs. Um, he actually had a really good year for us this past season, but um, we, we're in constant communication, you know, with our guys, making sure everyone's good about the upcoming game and all of their assignments just because in the NFL, every single play is super important, you know, and the smallest mistake or error can cost you the game or a uh, play. So, uh, he was just, you know, kind of hit me up about one of our outside zone concepts. You know, it's kind of making sure we were good for the upcoming game. And I know that you've been talking a bit about it, but I would love to ask you more about being on a team. And and what do you think is the benefit? There's so many conversations about sports right now. Why do you love being on a team? I think it's important because people are on teams, you know, you learn at early ages how to work with other people, how to how to communicate with other people from various backgrounds. So, you know, that's the thing that you learn and what makes athletes great on the field, make athletes great off of the field as well, as far as when they move into their professional lives, as far as their dedication, um, the work ethic that they have. So that, that was really big for me. And um, that's something that we still preach, you know, to, to athletes today, as far as using the things that make you good on the field and make you good off the field as well. So those are very important. And to be a member of a team, you know, I have stories that we laugh about to this day from teams that I was on, you know, 10 years ago, we still laugh about them. And that's the, the thing that athletes love, you know, when they're done, it's not, they miss playing in the competition, but it's those that camaraderie that you have and the stories that you have. Those are the classic moments, I think, that you have being on teams. I love that. I love those, yeah, those those cherished moments where you're together and you're huddled up. Like <laughs> I used to play field hockey mm-hmm. and I miss so much being on a bus to an away game and singing songs or talking <laughs> junk about the other team, uh. special stops at Big Mike's to get sandwiches on the way home. <laughs> it's all a part of the archive. Okay. I am so excited to get to the next part of our conversation because we're going to talk about how activism intersects with sports, especially in these recent times. But before we go there, we have some questions from Hulu subscribers who have watched your episode of Your Attention, Please. Y'all, it's not just about the questions that I have for our guests. You've seen your attention, please. You may have some questions of your own, so ask them. Leave us a voicemail at 504-475-4858 for a chance to have your question featured on an upcoming episode of the podcast. Our first question comes from Abby in Vermont. Now that there are more women coaching in the NFL, how do you all support each other? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it's so important for 
for women in general to support each other, no matter if you're doing the same thing or not. And that's something that I've loved about the other ladies in the NFL, that we support each other. We're each other's biggest fan. Um, I know our support system has been really good. We talk to each other constantly about things. So um, support each other, pump each other up, be each other's biggest fans. And this is a question from Libby in New York. Would you like to see a national women's football league? Um, yeah, good question. I think there's already kind of women in national football leagues. You know, when you look at the WNFC and the WFA are two, you know, really big women's football leagues now. They're working to get, you know, their teams on the national scale, but they're, you know, the talent's exceptional. Um, Adidas has come on board. Riddell has come on board as sponsors for the WNFC, and they're doing some really good things. So I think they're, they're on the way. I mean, to see the growth in women's football has been really cool over the past 10 years. Let's talk a little bit about women's athletics, because I know that being a professional woman athlete can be a thankless job. You see women at the top of their sport holding it down and then also working full-time jobs just to make ends meet. What keeps you inspired in that space? Yeah, I think, you know, before I talk about uh, women athletes, shout out to the WNBA (laughs) for the work that they did in social justice over the past year or so. You know, I think being a a female athlete, it's definitely sometimes thankless and especially in the women's football, you know, uh, round because it's so big to us, you know, and there are so many teams across the country. But outside of us, no one really even knows about it. You know, it's growing now. There's there's exposure and there's some national sponsors who have joined in with the women's league now. But when I first started playing football, I mean, you know, we would have 100 people at the game. That was good. You know, everything was good. Even though we played in some big stadiums, it looked like no one was there. But we were happy just to be playing, getting that opportunity to play. So I think a lot of, you know, female athletes definitely do it for the love um, of what they're doing because that money part is not always there. It's so real. I've been going to WNBA games since 1997. Uh, So I appreciate that shout out. Yes, I was there. I was there as a kid. My dad, shout out to my dad, who I know is going to be listening. But Dan Drew was like, we're going to the garden. We are going to see the Liberty play. And so it is so exceptional to see the activism that they've taken on and this incredible moment where I think, you know, we can learn so much from athletes and how they're utilizing their voice. And of course, coaches too, you know, all of the universe of sport is, yeah, there's an opportunity to really make some noise. Yeah, yeah, really. It's been beautiful to see the athletes use their platforms to really um, try to create change and bring some awareness to some things in this we have going on in our world. You know, seeing them lead the charge the way they did, you know, in total disregard of, you know, what the blowback, you know, I think that was the the coolest thing for them to see, because I think that was a lot of reason why a lot of other athletes didn't do it. Not that they didn't feel that way, but because they were afraid of what could happen. And I mean, they fearlessly (laughs) stepped out, you know, opposed to things that they didn't like. And, you know, the message that they sent, you know, it, it gained traction. And, you know, you saw the NBA, you saw the NFL, you saw other sports, but they led that charge. And, you know, I can't, thank them enough and, you know, um, give them enough praise for, you know, the things that they did. I love it. And I think it circles back perfectly to the mantra around greatness. You know, there is just, there's just exceptional athletes, you know, and at the end of the day, there's of course a huge risk that runs into it, but it's just some of the best of the best. And so it's important for us to continue to, to listen to, to uplift and to learn from these folks on the court. I know that as part of this project, you identified a nonprofit that you love and partnered with Hulu to support it. Could you tell us about that organization 
why you chose it, and why it's important to you. Yeah, I chose the the Carolina United Flag Football Organization, uh, which is something near and dear to me. Relatively new organization, but essentially what it does, they use flag football on the men's side and women's side to generate growth in different programs in the Raleigh community, um, Raleigh, North Carolina. So they'll do uh, community service projects to help reach the youth of Raleigh. And um, it's really cool what they do to try to to use flag football as a mechanism to to get out into community and, and give programs for the youth. You know, as any other city, you know, there are youth in Raleigh not on the right path who struggle with various things, but they're using flag football as a platform to try to reach them. And it's really cool. I love that. Thank you for uplifting that organization. It's such an essential thing to do. I wonder if you could talk to me also about any advice you might have for young people, especially who are looking at sports as a career. Because I think that there is something that's difficult and amazing about taking the thing that you love and making it your work. Yeah, that's a question I, I you know I get a lot. And I think one of the main things in, in sport is to narrow down what you want to do. Because people always tell me I want to work in sport, but there's like a million jobs within sport. Do you want to work on the actual sport side as a coach? Do you want to work in marketing? Do you want to work on a social business side? What do you want to do? And I think it's important to narrow that down and do your research, find something that maybe you're interested in and find people in that field to try to contact. And, you know, everyone's not going to get you back. (laughs) You know, it's just what it is. Some people are going to ignore your messages, but all it takes is one to really get your foot in that door or get you a contact with someone that does something that you're interested in doing. So I think it's really important to do that. And once you do that, you have to have that mentality that, you know, in the sports field, like the wheat get eaten and people need to know that because it's definitely a doggy dog world, but have that mentality going in that you're going to walk in with your, you know, your head high, your chest out, um, and you're going to put the work in and you belong there. So it's important to be prepared, you know, when you get those opportunities to make sure when you get that chance, you're ready for it to go really knock it out the park and, Anytime you fail, make sure you fall forward. That's the thing, because there will be failures. There will be, you know, times things don't go your way or uh, you feel something should, should happen differently. But how do you respond to it? That's what it's all about. So, you know, having that mentality going in that, you know, things are going to go bad and at times, but how do I respond to it? How do I be better? And how do I keep growing? Yes. And on that note of growth and maybe personal growth, I also just kind of want to know when you're watching football, because I know that you play football, I know that you coach football, I know that you spend most of your day working with and talking to football people, but I also want to know about your personal game day ritual. If you have one, if you do ever just get a chance to just watch football, how, how do you set it up? Are you eating wings? Walk us through that process, because it is equally important. (laughs) Journalism, (laughs) hardcore journalism right here. I'm asking you this question. We all need to know. Right. Right. Well, I mean, until, you know, we, we lost in the playoffs. I didn't really get opportunity to watch a lot of football just to watch. I was watching it as work. Um, But now, you know, I love watching and it's weird now watching teams that we played just because, you know, I know them so well. (laughs) So it's weird that I know, I I knew he was going to do that or I knew this was about (laughs) to happen, but Definitely got to have some wings. I love chicken wings, pizza, all the good stuff that everyone else likes. So, yeah, food's super important when you're watching a big game. You have to set the stage, I think. Got to. You know, yes. like, <laughs> it's a it's a cultural experience. Like I, like I said, I don't really know what's going on on the field, but I know about some wings, and I yeah. know <laughs> about setting up 
like a nice charcuterie board. <laughs> We're going to keep it really cute on game day. We want everything within an arm's reach because it's all about maximum comfort and being able to really enjoy the game. Got to. Yeah. I mean, you're fancy with the charcuterie board. You know, I want like all, all meat. I don't want any type of salads or fruit or vegetables, just pizza, wings, you know, all the bad stuff, fries. You know, I don't do it that often. So you got to binge out. That's, that's my mentality. My mentality is bad is relative, but yes, I hear you. I hear you. Because I'm like, you know, you can make a nice wing if you get it, the meat from the right butcher oh, yeah. and elevate your whole situation. <laughs> right. Now, you know, the, the air fryers have taken the wing game to the new level. So, you know, you don't feel as bad, but they're still just as delicious. So, um, you know, shout out to the, the air fryers of the world. Yes, yes. Shout out to deliciousness. <laughs> shout out to air fryers. Shout out to the sourdough people. The whole thing. <laughs> We have completely revolutionized the way that we eat together, and it's worth <laughs> mentioning. Right. <laughs> uh, on the note of pregame rituals in relationship to, you know, more in your work, I played basketball. I didn't mention it because I played so poorly, but one of my favorite things about playing basketball, before I ended up managing the team, which is my other fun fact, I was so bad at the game that I became the team's <laughs> manager because we had sports requirements in high school. But at any rate, my favorite part, of the game was before the game. I love warm-up time. I love, you know, doing the drills last minute before. And I especially love the music. And I wonder if you could talk about what some of your favorite warm-up music is. You know, usually on the way to the game, you know, on the bus if we're on the road or in my car for home, I usually it's kind of chill. I chill it out. Usually it's Sunday, so I listen to like a little gospel mix I have um, just to kind of chill out. But once I get to the stadium, it get you know it gets real, real ignorant. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of <laughs> a lot of hip hop, pretty much all hip hop. You know, pregame and then probably something Jay Z. So the the public service announcement is my song of choice. You know, when I'm getting near the stadium, when I'm changing things up. I don't know if it's my favorite song, but it's a song I always listen to on game day at some point. So big Jay Z fan. So uh, pretty much anything with with Jay in it, uh, it'll get me going. Is that the one that starts like? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. It's the perfect song. <laughs> yeah. I wonder for you, is there something that's more important than winning? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess doing it the right way is important. You know, I've never been, you know, a cheater or anything like that. I think it's important to make sure you do things the right way. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what you hold your hat on. Um, it's no good to win championships if they're going to come down in five years when they found out you cheated. So... I think it's important to, to do it the right way. I, I heard something about like a ball that got deflated once. I know that there's drama, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know everything. Uh, but don't don't cheat. Yeah. We don't cheat here. Right, right, no, right. none of that. Yeah. None of that. Uh, speaking of best practice, if you consider yourself to be a role model, how does it feel to be a role model? Yeah, that was one of the, the biggest things I think that I didn't think of, you know, my, my goal to, to get here, I was just trying to get here. I didn't think about what came from it. And, you know, when you start getting messages about people, their little girls now want to, to be in football. They want to play football. They want to coach football. You realize it, you know, whether you want to be or not, you're now a role model. So uh, I think it's something that, you know, me and the other coaches, female coaches, we don't take it lightly. We think it's important that we're, we're kind of now that representation that we didn't have. We're that for a lot of young people. And, um, you know, it's important to, to do things the right way and do a good job of what we're doing because we're essentially kind of paving the way for, for the future. Wow. I mean, you can drop the mic right there. 
That's a powerful way to end our conversation. It's been so incredible talking with you, Jennifer. Thank you for joining us. (laughs) Thank you. And of course, now I wish the season wasn't over because I am craving some air fryer wings. Let's go. that as a professional coach, Jennifer really knows how to bring the best out of people. I personally was not expecting to go down memory lane and remember and reminisce about my short-lived basketball career, but here we are. She is the perfect example of someone who has reached the top of their game in a field that they love. Her dedication to football and uplifting the next generation of athletes and coaches definitely left me inspired. If you enjoy this conversation, don't you worry. We've got so much more to come. We'll be talking to all of the makers from season two of Your Attention, Please on this podcast. So if you haven't already, watch the show, now streaming on Hulu. The episodes are also available for free on Hulu's YouTube channel. And of course, if you have a question for any of our guests that you want to ask, leave us a voicemail at 504-475-4858. So be sure to subscribe, leave us a rating, write a review, forward it to your cousin. It'll help more people find this show. Episodes are available literally anywhere and everywhere that podcasts are found. And also right within the Hulu platform. Don't be afraid to find what you love, share it with the world and scream from the mountaintop Your attention, please. Your Attention, Please, the podcast is a production of Hulu and Pineapple Street Studios. Our executive producers are Jenna Weiss-Berman, Max Linsky, J.N. Barry, and Barry Finkel. Our lead producer is Sophia Steinert-Evoy, and our associate producer is Brianna Garrett. The Your Attention Please theme song is composed by Teddy Walton. Our show is engineered by Davey Sumner. And of course, I'm your host, Kimberly Drew. You can find me on social media at at Museum Mammy. That's all for this week, but we'll be back next Tuesday with more Black Excellence. <laughs>